Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 18 of Dead Man's Chest. I have to say the next couple of episodes are a bit rough on the... Well, just a bit rough in general as far as things that are available to talk about. I mean, there's always things to talk about, but I'm talking exciting things. You can always come up with things to talk about. Well, I can come up with things to talk about. And then I got to carry the boatload of Heather around just to make sure we can get going on this. Excuse me. I carry the boatload. I don't have a comment for that. You better not. There we go. In the previous minute, I hate to say I told you so, but Jack failed to read the fine print that stated alcohol may be hazardous to your health. Drinking after bootstrap Bill and allowing his carbuncleness to touch him is breaking the first rule against the spread of the black spot. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? Again? Again with that? Carbuncleness to touch him. (laughs) Did you want him touching you? No. Okay, then. That's how you catch diseases. Maritime transmitted diseases. (laughs) You catch something when you got a big old black spot on your hand. Exactly. Symptoms may include a darkened palm, seeing old friends disappear. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Trying to get through this. (laughs) Now may I continue? Yeah, but I didn't hear what was after darkened palm. (laughs) This is actual stuff that I gathered from an epidemiology site about uh, the dreaded black spot. Symptoms may include a darkened palm, seeing old friends disappear, (laughs) paranoia, and a fervent need to set sail. (laughs) You're just in a a mood lately the past couple of days. Can't even get through these things. Oh, man. Minute 18 begins. Now we can actually get on the non- or the serious part of it, because we always do the recap or the intro for the new minute and serious. Okay. So if people don't know the format, if they can't tell, maybe not so serious for the recap, and then the new minute is a bit more serious. Just kind of a real breakdown. Minute 18 begins with Jack still rousing his crew and finishing barking orders. You're loof. Haul those sheets. Run them. Run. Keep running. Run as if the devil himself and itself is upon us. Gibbs breaks in with, do we have a heading? Jack musters a confusing order of run, land. The minute ends with Gibbs asking Jack, what's coming after us? Jack pauses with a look of fright and eventually says, nothing. In the final seconds, we see the black pearl sailing away as Jack's hat floats on the darkened water. What are you, there's nothing to laugh at there. (laughs) Why are you laughing? What's going on with you? Nothing. I have to say that although I don't have anything against this minute, 
My big takeaway is something I can't really talk about. I was so wrapped up in this theory that I was developing that I was having trouble concentrating on the other elements. Oh, really? Yeah, sad. So let's just wrap up this episode and just come back in a couple episodes so I can do what I wanted to do. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today and <laughs> keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. I have a question for you. It's the biggest question of all. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> You put you didn't put the pressure on me. You put the pressure on yourself with an intro like that. Because <laughs> now people are thinking, oh, maybe she has the question about the meaning of life or something. And now you're... No. Yeah, see? It's not the biggest question of all, is it? Yes. It's the biggest question of the minute. I'm going to take a wild stab that you're doing this now so I don't jump on it and get ahead <laughs> of you. Because I think we are probably both thinking the same thing if that's where I'm going You with read this. my notes. I didn't read your <laughs> notes. <laughs> You actually take notes. That's hilarious. I've got five lines. Come on. Tally marks on a blank sheet of paper is not notes. (laughs) What do you think about Jack in this minute? Do you think it's like a little overdone? Is it a little too much? Or do you think this is Jack? Well, that's what I was going to ask you the same thing. I have just Uh a, a heading in my notes that says, Jack, is Jack too comical? And that was my question. Is Jack too comical in this minute? Okay. Knowing Davy Jones and the terrible beasties coming for him. Is Jack getting a bit over the top? That's what I was going to ask you. But I'm torn on it. We've seen Jack act this way before. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Not to this scale, though. I, don't, I can't remember anything in The Curse of the Black Pearl where he was this over the top with right. it. Right. But we also didn't see him as paranoid or afraid as he is now. Right. But I don't recall him acting this way. In Curse of the Black Pearl, anything that we've established so far. No. And now, yeah, we don't really want to look ahead. So I don't know, you know, is this a stretch for his personality is kind of where I was wondering. Would the movie have been served better if it was a more serious moment at this stage? That's what my, I was wondering when I was looking at this. Yeah. Because he's acting over the top with this paranoia. Yeah. And it's more... On the farcical side. Well, he's he's running around like a crazy. Yeah, crazy person. Yeah. He's sitting there wringing out some kind of cloth and hiding behind the pillars or whatever they're called. The pillars. <laughs> I don't know what they're nice. called. <laughs> and then hiding under the stairs and, and then telling Gibbs, shh, shh, shh. Yeah, I think he is. But I also want to preface this by saying, okay, let me start that over. Okay. So I think he really is being too comical for this particular scene. But then again, everything in this movie for the last 17 minutes, now there was 30 minute 18, or during 18, so 18 minutes, has been really dark. Oh yeah, it's been very serious. Yeah, and so this is like the chance to lighten things up a yeah. bit. And Jack's over-the-top persona does help alleviate some of that tension. It breaks up that... This movie is a really, really dark movie. Yeah. We're taking our kids to go see it. Everybody's supposed to come for an enjoyable ride and everybody's been going, what in the hell has been going on here? Yeah. And that's what I'm wondering if that was the case, and but they took it too far. That's my thing. So personally, I would have liked to have seen that toned down a bit. Yeah. But I get maybe why they did it. Why it was in that direction that he was that right. over the top with his performance here. Yeah, that makes sense. So that that's my only my only guess. I personally probably would have liked to have seen it toned down at a least bit. a bit. Yeah, because it was a little a little much f- for me. 
You know, he was just like hiding behind things. And I mean, I understand he's scared, but I think it was just a little too much. What I think maybe was needed, or actually it it didn't have to go so far with Jack's performance here. But what I think creates that far better comical element, and maybe that's all we really needed. Maybe he could have been playing it a bit more serious. Not so serious that it's a drama type movie, but still keeping within the Jack Sparrow character. Yeah. And his mannerisms and stuff. But what is a better element that I think in this particular minute is Jack's action when it comes to the hat. When he tells them, because we're kind of jumping ahead because you asked the question right away just to try and stymie me. When he says, leave the hat, the entire crew falls silent and then they stop moving. Right. That's the subtle. That's the subtle comedy gold moment for this scene. And the crew knows how much Jack's hat means to him. They all pause like, what are you talking about? We're not going after your hat? Yeah. So I think that's the thing. That was the element that I think could have helped with the tone of the movie so far. Yeah. To lighten things up for this particular minute. Not his craziness. Yeah, I think it was a little bit too much. But we will see some of those crazy antics and I like I was going to try and avoid come up in some of the later movies as well. Yeah. Especially in Dead Men Tell No Tales that comes up. Right. But here, not so much. I think I was looking more for that a bit more serious take on that particular idea. But I understand the trying to lighten the tone of the movie here. Yeah, it needed to happen. Yeah. Because this isn't a... A drama. It isn't black sales or something that's right. completely just full bore drama action kind of thing. This is action comedy swashbuckler thing going on. Right. And since we're talking about Jack's hat here, I can get into some of the stuff that I was going to start with before you hijack things. You shanghaied everything. <laughs> You're so worried that I was going to ask your question that you had to jump in right away. It's the first time you ever really spoke up right away. That's not true. I said this is the first time you spoke up. That's not true. Even when he was a teenager, one of the things that Jack Sparrow wanted was a good hat. And we've heard this a number of times. It's kind of a running theme throughout Curse of the Black Pearl as well. And he even stated in his captain's log, captain's log, start eight, 13, (laughs) 14.5. I've got to get, oh, no. On board the barnacle, when he was on board the barnacle. On one occasion, he obtained the hat of the dead pirate captain, Stone-Eyed Sam. I like that name. Yeah, I do too. He wore that, actually... You know, for some reason, it just reminds me of Yosemite Sam. It's like it almost rhymes, too. So I think somebody was watching it, maybe with those blunts gaskets from yesterday that we were talking about. Oh, bunt gaskets. That's what I mean. So instead of a um, wooden eye, the stone-eyed Sam got a stone in his eye? No, he's just giving you the look of stone. Oh, like you okay. Can't even, uh, he'll just give you the stone eye, exactly. Can't. He won't waver. But Jack wore that hat for a short time, the one he got from Stone Eye there, Mr. Stone Eye, until he lost it to a trader on the docks of Isla Puerta in a wager over the ability of, wait for it, <laughs> sea turtles to support human beings in open water. Really? Yes. Jack is really intrigued by sea turtles and yeah. creating sea turtle legends. There's this theme of sea turtles going on here. Yeah, it keeps coming back. Sea turtles. He's so into sea turtles. It's amazing. This guy... Loves sea turtles. Likes hanging out on Tortuga. All kinds of turtle action here. I like sea turtles also. He must be like an original sea turtle conservationist. He's bridging people and turtles. Don't eat them. They could potentially save you from exile. You can ride on them. 
ski on them. You can use your hair and make rope to harness sea turtles. <laughs> Back hair, by the way. Back hair, yeah. So, yeah, something there. But see how it's a full circle. Yes. And more hat info and spoilers if you haven't seen Dead Men Tell No Tales. When he was 18, Jack saved the pirate crew of the Wicked Wench from the notorious pirate hunter Armando Salazar by trapping the infamous Spanish Capitan and his ship with sea turtles. No, just kidding. The <laughs> mysterious waters of the Devil Triangle. <laughs> After the battle, every surviving pirate in the Wench's crew gave Jack a tribute. You've seen it. You remember. Yes. Including Jack's characteristic hat. Which he is now lost. Yeah, but according to pirate lore, though... Because there's all kinds of hat stories here for Jack. Obviously, he loves his hats. Jack Just bought... Like you. I do. I really do like hats. I think I've... Have I said this? How I cursed Kennedy for... <laughs> I actually don't think you've said that on... Probably uh, not on, on the, the air, anyways, no. but elsewhere. You've said it to me many uh, yeah. a time. I cursed Kennedy for not wearing a hat because he changed society. <laughs> he changed the trend. Everybody's like, well, if John F. Kennedy's not wearing a hat, I don't want to be the only one not wearing a hat. What the hell, people? Let's bring hats back to society. Damn it. Now I'm all angered. Now I'm angered about the hats. I hope you're happy. Can we get back to pirate lore here? Yeah. Jack bought his hat with the second of the first two bits he ever pirated. The first wound up being part of his piece of eight. This is from the Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End inside the Brethren Court featurette. So there's just continuity errors going on here, which is why some people had problems with Dead Men Tell No Tales because there were some continuity problems. Then, of course, we have the dialogue from Tales from the Code Wedlocked. Which we went over before the season began. I traded you fair and square. Two willing brides, four limbs intact and possessed all of their faculties in exchange for a hat. Traded to a certain unnamed pirate. Okay. They're trying to... Okay, let me finish the quote though. A hat? He gave me up for a hat? It was a very nice hat. Okay, (laughs) there we go. Now I can say this. It could be another pirate. Could be another hat. But it it was alluded that it was Jack that they were talking about. Especially since the... Scarlet and Giselle take revenge, kind of, you want to say, or they already had taken precautionary measures against Jack. Right. So he was in the picture. revenge. I said that because I knew you were a stickler. Crazy stickler. But like I said, it could be a hat, could be another pirate, but I imagine that since the release of Dead Men Tell No Tales, that has become canon for his hat. Dead Men Tell No Tales has to be the now story for the hat. Yeah. Has to supersede Wedlocked, has to supersede some of the stuff in the books or the video games. Or the featurettes. That's my guess. Yeah. They kind of change it up. They solidified it from, from those other things. Or at least some of them now are called pirate lore. Like, mm. that's just the legend he was telling people. Kind of sea turtle legend things right. of his. But I like the idea of him getting his hat from the Wicked Wench. You know, from the crew. When he gets the ship. They yeah. say, thanks for saving everybody. Thanks for getting rid of Salazar. That right there helps establish his fondness for... His hat and the multiple times he loses it and it's recovered as always happens with Indiana Jones. However, the one thing that is different between Jones and Sparrow is that, well, okay, there's a lot of things different between Jones and Sparrow. (laughs) You're not going to have Indiana Jones doing the thing that he was doing on the boat in this minute. See, I said boat. Damn it to hell. The ship on the Black Pearl. You have completely ruined me for life. What would Jones do? He wouldn't be running around doing that. And plus his hat would always be there. The monkey tried to throw his hat in the water. A wave or something would bring back Indiana Jones' hat right back to him. That's always the way it goes. His hat is gone, but it comes right back. Jack Sparrow, that doesn't happen. He loses it for longer periods of time. He's actually lost the hat, which I didn't want to get into in this because we were going on on about the hat. He has lost it 
even for longer periods of time, like when he had, he lost it on a shipwreck Island, had to come back for, or he came back to the Island after being arrested after the whole Cutler Beckett deal with the slaves. Okay. All that early stuff that spawned the Cutler Beckett, Jack Sparrow animosity. And then he finds it later. So there's all kinds of hat lore. We'll call it. Jack's all about his hat. He is all about and the hat. And his boat. Oh, I mean ship. How dare you. Arr! Behind the scenes info with the hat I have, if you can believe that. Are Yoda now? It was. <laughs> 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 yeah, I am Yoda. Thank with you. With the hat I have. Some people have likened me to uh, Thor Yoda. That's because I have the, the force abilities and the wisdom of Yoda and the power and the and good the looks of Thor. the green skin color? Not the... <laughs> now we're done talking for the rest of the day. It was actually played, and we're talking about the hat, that hat was actually played by multiple hat actors. The tricorn used in The Curse of the Black Pearl was lost after filming. Do we need a moment of silence for the hat that was lost after The Curse of the Black Pearl? Because of that, the directors and the producers had to do a new casting call to fill the role of the hat in the sequels. Several different tricorns were used during the filming of Dead Man's Chest and At World's End. Presumably, this is my guess... Because the new hats were underage and they could only work for so many hours at a time. And they had to get twins for it. That way you couldn't tell them apart. (laughs) But there are actually a few differences between the hats. So they're not necessarily identical twins, but maybe a little more like fraternal twins. For example, one hat had additional thread holes, which is used during the Davy Jones locker scene. Maybe we'll see. In addition, some of the hats had different size holes and the hat was more of a brown color than black. And a completely different hat was used during the filming of On Stranger Tides. And I can only imagine that the others got too old or they demanded too much money for their return to the sequel. So they had to bring in a new hat. <laughs> they got too old and wrinkled looking. So yeah, they... yeah, that's my guess. You know, hats can become demanding just like some of these animal actors. They get on the, the circuit, they're at conventions, they're doing talks and presentations. You don't want to live with a hat that has a big ego. No. And you need a big head to fill the big ego. I wouldn't know about that. The fact that Gibbs and the crew are willing to turn the ship around, since we're still talking about hat. This is a hat episode. It just shows that it really means a lot to Jack, and they know that, right? Yeah, I already said that. I know, but I'm going somewhere with this. This is going somewhere. It's not just repeating. Okay. Repeating your ideas here. So we all know that. When he says leave it, that's the kicker for Gibbs and everyone else that something is actually wrong with Jack. Something's after him. They're running around going, okay, what's going on with this crazy thing? But when he actually says, leave the hat, that's the thing. That's the one thing. They, they know that Jack's a crazy person, apparently. <laughs> but when he says, leave the hat, now it's become serious. Okay, this is a whole ballgame. Something's after us. We should all be scared. But that's not really where I was going. That's just like a, a baby step to where I was really going. I don't think a ship turns around to pick up someone's hat. It does when you got a crazy person. No, wouldn't they just drop a boat in the water and send someone to pick it up? Because turning a ship around is not something you do on a dime. It's turning radius is not that sharp for crying out loud. Come on, Gibbs. Sailor up here. I don't think you're doing that. (laughs) I don't think they did. If you got left behind, we know that. They said. You fell off. You got left behind. Hat? That's a big production to, to halt the ship and to do that. So I don't think, unless they're club hauling it here, <laughs> I don't think they're uh, able to do that here. No. So I think that was a little bit of a, of a misfire. Gibbs should have sailored up, but it is the captain's hat. So you would, at least you have to pretend that you're, you're doing what you can. Exactly. Maybe that's what he was doing. Possibly. Hard to believe that we spend so much time talking about Jack's hat. It is. What does that tell you about this minute? <laughs> it's all about Jack's hat. I guess. 
So how does, I mean, Jack is saying we need to get to land. We need to get to land. How does Jack know without any spoilers or anything? How does Jack know that land would be safe from the beastie? He knows. See, now you're treading on spoiler territory. That's what I mean. Because Jack knows, and we'll have to address this in a thing, that there's certain elements about Davy Jones. Because we know Davy Jones sent this, and I guess we could say this. Because Davy Jones and lore, we haven't gotten to it specifically in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe. But let's just say Davy Jones is bound to the sea. And he can only set foot on land every, what, 10 years? Hmm. Remember? Well, yeah. Like, for, so there you go. Jack knows this. Okay, but he doesn't know about the beastie. What if the beastie can get on land? So you're saying this terrible leviathan, which is typically a sea creature... Also has the ability to ravage the land. There are multiple. There are many sea creatures that can be get on land. Oh, come on, really? That's what yeah. you're throwing out there. Get the hell out of yeah. here with that. There's all kinds of sea creatures that can get on land. Well, we know animals can go in the water and on land. But okay. have you seen one that's able to do everything so swiftly? What a sea creature that is really adept in the water is not usually a sprinter on land. There's some cumbersomeness. What an iguana. Is just as fast on land as it is in well, the water. Well, if Jack's running from an iguana. <laughs> Maybe it's a giant iguana. Oh, get out of here. All of a sudden, this is now journey to the center of the earth. <laughs> We're back in the 1950s and 60s special effects where they just used uh, cameras to film iguanas. And they used these, you know, kind of real macro shots on them to make it look like they were giant monsters. Maybe. Is that what you're saying here? Well, if that's the case, then that's the case. This is, can be. It's a magical world. That's true. But I did spot actually an egregious magical curse blunder in What's this particular that? minute. Jack the monkey is in the moonlight on the rigging, yet he is not transformed into a skeleton. Maybe he's in the shadows. He's not in the shadows. He's clearly lit. So I was wondering if, if it was the intention not to have him in the moonlight, but it was such a dark set, they needed some light on the monkey. Mm. So I'm beginning to suspect that the curse is maybe... Something that's not really real, but it's only found in the movies. That's what I'm guessing. (laughs) Maybe it's wearing off, and so it only happens sometimes. (laughs) We're we're now Aztec cursed apologists trying to come up with reasons why it didn't work. (laughs) But yeah, so I did see that. And there there is some moonlight on him. And I think they probably just did that. I think it's more powerful to have the monkey throwing the hat overboard as the monkey and not as the skeleton monkey. Yeah, I agree. It's probably why they did it that way. Well, they did. And two, because there's this... Jack has this quirk. Let's just say this. Jack has this he quirk does? with the monkey. Yeah. Okay. That's an understatement. <laughs> Jack has a quirk. That's like the understatement of all understatements for Pirates of the Caribbean, especially a podcast that talks about them. Like, no shit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> now look at you. Now I got to beep that out. Damn it. Well, that's how... Good job. That's how quirky it was. Yeah, that it's like, okay, my God, he has a quirk. That's weird. No, but anyway. Yeah, it's going to be like a R or something. But there is a quirk above quirks. Not his standard quirk. This is one that comes up too. Is that he essentially gets to the level of the monkey every time they run into each other. So the monkey will see it. The monkey sees it, right? And then the monkey hisses at him. And then he turns around and hisses at it. Yeah. I like that. That's part of the comedy, I think, that they could have yeah. done and toned down Jack's stuff, but kept the the subtleties and kept the characteristics that we see Jack in this interaction with the monkey that happens every time. It's always like that. The monkey will 
hiss at Jack, and then he turns around and hisses back right at it. Yeah. That's part of their special bond. It's the hiss that brings them together. (laughs) Yet it keeps them apart. Yes. Instead of trying to bridge the communication gap, and I'm talking about Jack here. Well, maybe the monkey. Maybe the monkey could do it. But Jack decides the best course of action is to hiss at the monkey. So instead of like any pet or animal owner knows, that's not the way to mend fences or get an animal to come over to you. You stretch out your arm. You stretch out your hand in friendship, for God's sakes. You don't hiss back at it. (laughs) I'd be afraid this monkey would actually bite Jack if he stretched out his arm. (laughs) That's possible. (laughs) But I am secretly glad that he does do the... This little special relationship with him. It is a tongue-in-cheek nature of things, yeah. and it, I do like it. It kind of keeps that relationship that him and Barbosa had. A love-hate relationship. It, it kind of keeps that within the the movies. Yeah. You know, even though Barbosa is no longer here, it keeps that relationship there. Now, see, I would be I would take my hat off and bow my head for Barbosa for him dying in Curse of the Black Pearl because he's still dead. But John F. Kennedy screwed me, and you now I don't have a hat, a hat to wear. <laughs> How dare you, John F. Kennedy? Damn it, John F. Kennedy. JFK. Anyways, I brought this up when we started the show, but I have to at least give a heads up about my theory, because it does involve Jack the monkey. It involves Jack the monkey throwing Jack's hat overboard. Okay. That's part of my theory. We get the finale to this theory in the next minute. Well, not actually the next minute. Minute 20. And this includes the reasoning, how it all comes together. And can this probably shed some light, some new light, on the relationship between Jack and the monkey, you know? Or they're both named Jack. So Jack the monkey and Jack the captain. I have a theory about this. Okay. And there's something that comes up that it'll make you think. You'll go, hmm, that's pretty interesting. Are you going to tell us your theory today or... Do we want it? No. Monday. Okay, I'll tease it. Well, do I want us? Okay, I'll tease it. The monkey saves Jack Sparrow. That's all I'm going to say. That's my theory. That's the headline to my theory. Okay. The monkey saves Jack Sparrow. You have to tune in on as we see this unfold from t- tomorrow, minute 19, and then on Monday for minute 20. Okay. So that's my, my theory. Okay. So that's all I got on my Hats hat and- monkey theory and my anger towards uh, dead president, John F. Kennedy Jr., a president beloved by... Millions and millions of people, yet I have animosity towards him for changing fashion trends. Not sure where that puts me on the scale of uh, compassionate or not compassionate. Well, it's not like you were... I'm angry at that guy. ...around when he was president. That's true. So it's not, you know, it's a little bit different for you. That's true. You're right. Yeah. So hold me to a different standard, everyone out yeah. there. You got to grade me on a curve. Grade me on a curve. I mean, you weren't, you weren't around when he was president, so, you know... You don't have that love for him that other people Throw me some slack, people. Throw me some slack. (laughs) So that's all I got then. Yeah. So I guess we'll just end it there. Okay. And I will uh, try on some hats and see what happens between now and the next time. Maybe we'll get you a tricorn. There we go. So we'll be back tomorrow with minute 19 of Dead Man's Chest. It's a solid Turkish fisherman boat of uh, time that we'll have. Yeah, that's it. Uh, We'll have a great old time. Yeah, sure. A brutal minute. <laughs> well, you can't scare people off. I mean, come. Come for the euphemisms. Tune back in on Monday. <laughs> hopefully we'll have euphemisms. Hopefully something will carry us through the damn show. Until then, Scallywags, let's keep the... 
Let's keep the horns. See, I'm already upset with tomorrow's minute. I can't even get through this. I don't even want to end this show for fear of the next one coming. Yeah. Oh, my God. Next Let's one. keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew Listeners Group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest, well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.